Chapter 18 of The Conquest. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. The Conquest by Oscar Michaud. Chapter 18. Comes Stanley, the Chief Engineer. McGorry was still on the boom, not quite as much as the summer before, but more than it was some time later, for as yet New Callus was still regarded as a joke, until one day Stanley, the same wiry-looking individual with the black mustache and the piercing eyes, got off the stage at McGorry and began to do the same work he had started west of Oristown the year before. Oh, it was a shame to thus wreck the selfish dreams of these Megoryites upon the rocks of their own short-sightedness. Stanley was followed a few days later by a great contractor, who had been to Megory the summer before and who had become popular around town, and was known to be a good spender. They had bidden him goodbye along in December, and although nothing was said about it, the truth was, McGorry did not wish to see any more railroad contractors for a while, not for five or ten years anyway. It is a peculiar thing that when a railroad stops at some little western burg that it is always going to stay ten or twenty years. This has always been the case before, according to the towns at the end of the line, and at this time McGorry was of the same opinion as regarded the extension to New Callis. So Oristown had been in regard to the extension to McGorry. But Trellway built the road to New Callis, and built it the quickest I ever saw a road built. The first train came to McGorry on a Sunday in June, schedules always commence on Sunday, and September found the same train in Callis, the new having been dropped. McGoryites admitted very grudgingly, a short time before, that the train would go on to Callis, but would return to McGorry to stay overnight, where it left at six o'clock the following morning. Now, at McGorry, the road had a Y that ran onto a pasture on a two-year's lease, while at Callis Coal Chutes, a Y, a turning table, a roundhouse, and a large freight depot were erected. And then began one of the most bitter fights between towns that I ever saw or even read about. Five miles apart, with Callis perched on another hill, and like the old site, could be seen for miles around. Now the terminus, it loomed conspicuously. It was a foregone conclusion that when the reservation to the west opened, Callis was in the right position to handle the crowds that came to the territory to the west instead of McGorry. McGorry contended, however, that Callis, located on such a hill, could never hope for an abundance of good water and therefore could not compete with McGorry with her natural advantages, such as an abundance of good soft water which was obtainable anywhere in town. There are certain things concrete in the future growth of a prairie town. The first is, has it a railroad? 
The next is, is the agricultural territory sufficient to support a good live town, a fair-sized town, and either one of the Dakotas has from 1,000 to 3,000 inhabitants. And last, are the businessmen of the town modern, progressive, and up-to-date? In this respect, Callis had the advantage over Megory, as will be seen later. Megory became my post office address after Callis had moved to its new location, and about that time the first rural mail route was established on the reservation. Megory boasted of this. The other things it boasted of was its great farming territory. For miles in every direction, tributary to the town, the land was ideal for farming purposes, and at the beginning of the bitter rivalry between the two towns, Megory had the big end of the farm trade. They could see nothing else but Megory, which helped the town's business considerably. End of chapter 18